fascinating, creative people and ask them whatever I'm curious about every Wednesday. I've been doing this since 2013. If you've been listening for a while or maybe since 2013, thank you so much for coming back. I'm happy to be back with you. I hope you're having a great summer. I've been doing interviews and talking to so many people that I can't wait to share the conversations with you guys. Lots of changes, lots of up-leveling here at the podcast. Hopefully better design of the audio quality and editing. Hopefully I improve as a host and speaker developing this craft. Lots of new things coming. But for now, this week's episode, it's with Dr. Frank Littman. He's very prolific in the wellness world. He's the founder of 1111 Wellness. He's written many books and he's so sage and kind, and I just really loved meeting him. Let me set the stage a bit for this interview. As you know, if you've been listening for a while, we keep these interviews very raw, we don't edit much, and I like them to feel casual, like you're just eavesdropping or you're in the room with me. It's a very rainy day, and I have all of my equipment. It's not that much, but I have it all, and I'm heading over, it's raining super hard, I've got my umbrella, but I'm 15 minutes early, which is rare and feels really great. And I get there and I see Dr. Levin and I can tell he was like, oh good, you're here, let's go. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm early, may I run to the bathroom? And he thought that I was 15 minutes late or he had on his calendar that I was 15 minutes late. So it was just kind of this like, interesting energy when we started and he had had such a busy day i think he spent the night in the city and he was rushing off to an art opening right after our interview and he fit me in he's like in the midst of his book coming out and all the things and seeing patients and he's such a lovely kind man that he was chill about the entire thing but it was just an interesting dynamic and then he totally warmed up to me through the interview which you can kind of hear and i just thought was silly and interesting and of course we kept in and anyway I just I enjoyed this interview I think you will too we talk about the wisdom of women we talk about how different generations need wellness in different ways he's really someone who launched the wellness movement into what it is today and what we know it to be today he moved here from South Africa to be a doctor in the Bronx which we get into he's had a fascinating life we talk about healing and wellness and anxiety and we talk about our phones we talk about technology it's a great episode and I think you'll really enjoy it Support the sponsors if you like this podcast. I love Care-of. I love their vitamins. I also really genuinely think that Flex is such an innovative company, and I would love if you supported the sponsors. I'll talk to you guys at the end of the episode. Enjoy.
let's briefly talk about periods. Most of us get them. Sometimes we're excited when they come, sometimes we're very excited when they're over for the month, and many of us complain about periods and the cramps, the irritation, the bloating. It feels like we're destined to have these symptoms, but it turns out it might not just be your body to blame for these issues. A lot of times the products that we use to manage our periods actually make these symptoms worse. That's why I'm excited to tell you guys about Flex. It's the first true period innovation product in over 80 years. That's right, I got on the phone with them and the Flex people told me that they have not innovated in the category since the 1930s. Flex was designed to change your period. It's not a tampon, it's not a cup, it's actually a flexible disc that fits perfectly inside your body. It holds five tampons worth of fluid, so you're not constantly changing it out, even on your heaviest days. And unlike a menstrual cup, flex discs are disposable and easy to change, even when you're out on the go, so you can go from your office to a workout class to hanging out with your friends and everywhere in between you only use about two discs a day which makes it better for the environment everything is bpa free no latex no silicone fda registered hypoallergenic it's a pretty cool product guys i I think you should check it out have the most comfortable period of your life if you want to, go to IHateTampons.com and use the code LETITOUT to get an additional 30% off your first purchase. Again, that's the code LETITOUT and go to the link in the show notes for 30% off your purchase. Thank you so much, Flex, for supporting this podcast. have to tell you about one of my favorite brands, Cara Vitamins. You might already know and love them like I do, but if not, Cara is a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective quality ingredients personally tailored to your exact needs. Vitamins can fill the important gaps your body might be missing from its food or give you an extra boost where you need it. To figure out what supplements can help you feel your best, simply go to Carev's website and you take this super short, fun quiz. It asks you questions about your lifestyle, everything from how much you sleep to how much you poop, and from there, it recommends to you in minutes exactly what vitamins can help you feel your best. All the recommendations are based on clinical research and traditional medicine with input from doctors and nutritionists. I love the packaging and design of everything Care-of makes. Your supplements will come to you in these beautiful, individually wrapped, personalized packets. I love them when I'm traveling and really just every day since I'm always on the go. And I think you will love them too. For 25% off your first month of personalized Care-of vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com and enter the code Katie. Again, that's for 25% off your first month of personalized Care-of vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com and enter the code Katie. That's K-A-T-I-E, just in case you didn't know how to spell my name. I've been following you for years in your practice, and I'm excited to dive into your new book and, um, and everything, but I've been really liking starting the podcast in the present, so what have you been pondering, what's been on your mind in the last today or this week or this month, what have you been thinking about? Um, well, 
I'm thinking about how to take life a little bit easy. Mm. I'm sort of, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I've been doing, I've been in the wellness world probably longer than you've been in, in this world. How old are you? Just turned 28. Okay, yes, yeah, so I've been doing this for 30 odd years. So now I'm at the stage where I'm trying to think about it, how to to keep supporting the movement, keep getting the work out there, but at the same time pulling back mm -hmm. and taking it easy. I'm at that stage of my life where I don't, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, um, I need to pull back, but I have a practice and then I have this company that's growing and thank God I have good people in it who, We've started a Be Well Eats program. We're going to yeah, be developing um, healthy snacks. So it's a lot cool. of it's just getting a lot of ideas, wishes into the world before I depart from the world. Yeah, that's really exciting. That's really nice. So let's get into that. Those those past thirty years, you've been. I read that you grew up in South Africa, and then you came to New York to the Bronx and became a doctor so walk me through a little bit of that what was your childhood like what were you like as a kid what did you want to be when you grew up um well childhood was interesting in south africa because i grew up during apartheid and in apartheid south africa apartheid means separate so when you everything was separate if you were white you went you lived in certain areas and if you were black you lived in other areas you're white you went there were white schools and black schools white hospitals and black hospitals even white park benches and black park benches. So um, growing up was very interesting from that perspective, but I grew up in a very left-wing family. So it has different upbringing to a regular South African and um, just always drummed into me. <coughs> First of all, that um, probably sh shouldn't and wouldn't live in South Africa as I got older. Um, and to find a profession that you could do anywhere because there was no real future in South Africa. And um, also grew up questioning the system because as a white liberal South African, you didn't trust the government or, or the institutions. So I grew up uh, a bit of a rebel, um, did a lot of drugs when I was younger which most of us in that community did, partly rebelling against the system because you know drugs were like really bad in those days. In South Africa, they put you in jail for smoking weed. Wow. Um, and uh, I went to medical school, not really wanting to be a doctor, but that's what my brother did and that's what the smart kids did. And my mother said, well, if you're a doctor, you'll be able to go live anywhere you want. I had no, didn't even think about it. I was, too busy getting high and having fun. Um, so I went into medical school not um, n wanting to be a doctor per se. Mm -hmm. um, and I was a really bad student and I failed first year and I failed second year as well and then I met my wife who got me on track and brought me back to reality and uh, then I got through medical school and um, Worked in the bush. I, uh, um, I, uh, <coughs> After I finished medical school in South Africa, I did an internship 
once again in a black hospital and I was very intrigued by black culture and then I went to work in the bush for 18 months um, which was a fascinating experience you can see some pictures of oh, yeah. and I worked with this particular tribe with their beaded aprons That's beautiful. Um, and the idea was to work there while um, um, I passed my American exams and then come to America and emigrate to America so after that, I, we emigrated to America. So um, I was married then. How so did you meet your wife? I met my wife at college. So she's also South African. She's also South African, yeah. So um, we got married very young. I was. I met her when I was twenty-one. We've been married for um, almost forty years. Wow. Um, so then so how what was immigrating to New York like did you come to the Bronx immediately yeah so what happened was um, uh, there was a South African that I'd grown up with who was working with a lawyer in New York and I'd heard she was in town and I'd heard she get South Africans into America and I went mm -hmm. to visit her and she said yes I know this in, in, in New York, there are what we call shortage areas because American doctors don't want to work in certain areas. They're pretty rough. But if you've passed all your exams and they like you and you go for an interview, they'll take you because they're looking for good medical school graduates because good graduates don't want to go there because Americans don't want to go there. Wow. And in those days, this is 1984, um, uh, the South Bronx was, was, an, it was pretty rough. There's a crack in cocaine and heroin um, area so doctors, Americans didn't want to go work there and um, the head of the medical department liked South African doctors because he knew they did well and he could get good doctors that way so I went for an interview he offered me a job um, and the job came with a green card wow. so <clears throat> that's how I got into the States um, what kind of medicine were you? that was internal medicine and at, even at that stage I wasn't I wasn't even sure what I wanted to do. I did like the, the interrelationship, the, um, the relationship you had with a patient. I did mm -hmm. like that aspect. And I thought maybe I'd do psychiatry and um, maybe I'd do family medicine. I really didn't know. And um, it so happened that there was a medical department. The head of the medical department liked South knew about South African doctors and, and would sponsor them because he could get better South African doctors than any other doctors he could yeah. get. Um, so that's how I ended up in the South Bronx doing internal medicine. Yeah. Well, well then how did you take us up to this practice and how did you, so, what were those years like? And yeah, so, so, so even when I came here, I'd started dabbling in alternatives because um, I started, I'd seen already in a private practice the weaknesses of Western medicine but what happened in the hospital it was very clear I was working in the hospital and after a few weeks I realized I just didn't want to be a doctor in America because the medicine was very different in America you you took a very quick history very brief exam did the blood test looked at the x-ray and, and and read up and prepared for the professor the next morning mm -hmm. so there was no um, connection with the patients. They didn't encourage speaking to people. It was all about the blood results and test results. And I didn't really like that part of medicine. I liked speaking to people, getting to know people. Yeah. So um, I said to my wife, this is not for me. 
um, I don't want to be a doctor here. There happened to be an acupuncture clinic in the South Bronx attached to my hospital where they were doing drug detox. Mm. And I'd heard about this clinic and I said, okay, I'm just going to check it out because why not? I don't want to do medicine. Let me go check out acupuncture. I'd seen the acupuncture working on some people in South Africa. So I thought, well, I'm going to check it out. So I went to check it out and um, long story short, I fell in love with acupuncture. And I ended up <clears throat> during my residency spending, going to do my residency at the hospital and spending time at the acupuncture clinic. So at the hospital, I was seeing the wonders of Western medicine, people getting better from broken bones and acute pneumonia and heart attack and not being helped with the chronic problems. And we didn't know what to do with them. And at the acupuncture clinic, the problems we weren't helping in the hospital I saw being helped by acupuncture and the Chinese medicine uh, clinic people. So it was pretty obvious to me to see that the future of medicine would be the combination of, the, mm-hmm. of both because they were both helping completely different types of paper, people and they were both strong in one area and weak in the other area that the other one was, was strong in. So it was like so obvious. This is 1984, 1985. It was so obvious that the future of medicine would be some type of combination of the two. Yeah. So I knew then um, <clears throat> that that was what I wanted to pursue. So then when did this practice open that you have now? So then after I finished my residency, I, st- I, study, you know, I was studying acupuncture. I got my acupuncture license and I worked on the Lower East Side. And uh, in, this was now in 1987-98 and there was an AIDS epidemic in New York City. And um, I was working on in this community clinic on the Lower East Side and they took Medicaid and insurance and um, the gay community had obviously the word got out that they could get acupuncture and and I was doing some nutrition I was starting to dabble the word got out that um, there was this community there was this clinic on the Lower East Side that if you um, went you could get acupuncture on your Medicaid and you know some alternative stuff and so I started developing a practice of HIV positive patients and then we you know I was working with a friend of mine and we started teaching them qigong and meditation and we just started dabbling because yeah. we were young and we didn't know we were just you know there was nothing okay. else happening so um it's just started growing and growing and um eventually and then I started my own practice in a sport so I can go on forever but make it short mm-hmm. um in a sports clinic and then as I you know, in those days, there weren't that many people doing what I was doing. So when you help people and um, then one celeb would come and they'd send others and you, your name just got out there. And then in 1992, I started this practice. 1111. I, I love the name. So you you talk about, you mentioned this earlier that you didn't like this originally about medicine, but you talk about, or you did like this part when you were in school, but that was the part you liked the most which is the importance of the doctor and patient relationship Mm -hmm. which unfortunately like you said is so overlooked traditionally can you talk about you know as a practitioner how you I've heard you talk about this before how you have to read a patient and know what they need whether that's scaring them and for some people that would be harmful can you talk about that and what you've learned over the years yeah I think what you learn over the years the skill is to be able to 
to see who's sitting in front of you and and help them on their path because their path may be different to my path or to the next person's path. So the skill is first of all to to have them believe and trust in you so and mm-hmm. feel very comfortable with you. And the second part of that relationship is you need to know where they're at on this journey because as you know the wellness journey is complicated. Yeah. Some people can stop eating sugar tomorrow, some people they're never going to do that tomorrow. So you've got to try to see where people are at and try and meet them where they're at and then take them along this journey and inspire them and motivate them. Sometimes you need to scare them a little bit. More older people, younger people, your your generation, millennials, you need to inspire and motivate and, and um, make them connect with what they're doing. My generation, the old farts, you often need to scare them because they don't really believe, they, they still are hooked into the medical model and um, believe that doctors are the ones who are going to get them healthy. They, they have a completely different sense of themselves and their health than, than your generation. I love your generation. So it all depends where people are at and, mm-hmm. and you've got to not necessarily hold their hand but support them in a way that, you know, because my job is to help them become more aware of themselves and and become turned on by health. So that's my role. I'm really a teacher, a motivator, an inspirer. So it's you've got to meet people where they're at and try and push them in the right direction. I think that's my that's what I see my role as. Yeah. And and speaking of that, you know, knowing that with my generation and with a lot of people listening to this podcast because my background is getting too into this stuff and eating disorders and mm-hmm. all of the mental mm-hmm. stress that can come with wellness. Yep. And so there are so many people talking about wellness now, which is great. And I, I think it's it's good, but it can also be confusing and overwhelming and, mm-hmm. and cause more stress, which, which mm-hmm. was the case for me. So how do you balance that with, you know, not stressing people out more with giving them a protocol, but also allowing them to enjoy food and their life and not be so rigid. You know, absolutely, that's spot on, because that's exactly what happens. So that's part of what I need to do when I'm sitting with somebody. If someone is like you were, um, then you need to help them deal with that and make them realize that it's not about a diet, it's about a way of eating. Mm -hmm. It's not about being perfect, it's about just improving yourself. So... So, um, yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I think your generation gets a little bit too obsessive and, and uh, freaked out and anxious about not doing, doing it properly or whatever. So, you, you know, you help them in different ways. You get them to let go a little bit. You let, get them to have fun. You, let them, you get them to, you know, I'm a big proponent of meditation or learning to get out of one's head. Um, but I agree with you. I do think different generations have different belief systems and they, you need to treat them differently. And then within generations, different people are... Some people um, don't take themselves too seriously, so they're easier. So, I mean, there's no one right way, but I, I, I would tend to agree with you if, if you're going to generalize. Your generation is more about like take it easy don't be so hard on yourself yeah. you know just learn to eat it's not about a diet it's not about going to the gym every day um, it's about 
you know, spending time with people you love. It's about being kind. It's about um, maybe spending more time in nature. It's about um, playing mm -hmm. and not taking everything so seriously. Um, but I do think your generation is definitely way ahead of the game. It's easier to deal with someone like you, not you now, obviously not. It's easier to deal with someone like that than, than someone who has ingrained belief systems that are very hard to change. Mm. So yeah. I love working I love working with millennials. Yeah. They're very they're into that, you know, they they get it. You don't have to persuade them, convince them. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's relatively easy. Uh, I think millennials are a wonderful generation. Well, on behalf of all of us, thank you. Yeah. Uh, we talk about, about body image on this podcast and how that's so intertwined with wellness and it's hard to separate those things and how you, know, how you look might not have any indication of how you're feeling and vice versa. So is that something that comes up in your practice and how do you... How do you advise people with that? Well, we, we always will say, um, any generation, it's not about losing weight, it's about getting healthy. Weight is a side effect. You may lose weight, you may not. You usually lose weight, your body balances itself, itself out when you're eating the way you're, you need to eat. So we always discourage any obsession or, or with weight, weighing yourself. Um, you know, sometimes that's hard, but it's it's always you know trying to teach people that you know health and wellness is way, way beyond weight. It's way beyond how you look, um, and um, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because now I'm like an elder. Now people look up to me as like a. Uh, an elder statesman of the move, so that people tend to listen to me, which is interesting. <laughs> Thirty years ago, they weren't really listening to me, so it's, a, it's an interesting position, and I, I needed to, you know, I have to be less cavalier than I sometimes am. I got to, you got to watch your words, mm -hmm. but for the most part, when you're inspiring and motivating people, and 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 supporting them, and 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 guiding them, and and loosening them up a little bit it's sort of not that difficult I find um, a lot of young women have been screwed up by their parents by the culture by the culture more than their parents because parents just want their kids to be happy mm -hmm. but the culture does do a number on, on, on women and um, in particular more than, mm -hmm. than men yeah. but I, th I don't find it such a hard thing to change Especially if you help someone get into therapy, there are lots of really great therapists that can help reprogram the thinking. I mean, I, I, I think it's an issue, but I don't think it's an, an issue that can't be overcome. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think it just takes time. You, you talk in your book, too, about meaning and that being just as important for healing and for health as, yeah. as anything else. And you t I heard you tell this great story once about one of your patients and their condition wasn't healing and then they, they went and worked for a non-profit. Can you tell us In Africa, yeah. 
So meaning is something that you guys are into, which I love. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I love, what I see anyway, I don't know if this is all millennials, I see because my daughter's 30 and see with her friends, and I've seen with a lot of my millennial patients, like this young lawyer patient I had, now recently she just, you know, smart, smart kid, she's just had, she doesn't want to be a corporate lawyer, she just gave it up, and I, I know her parents, her parents are patients, and they're so upset that she got this big job in this great firm, and she's just giving it up, she gave it up, and she just she just didn't want to do it, and found a job that she wanted to do, I love that, I, and I think I see that a lot, they want meaning, yeah. I think that's really important, you know, p- things, finding meaning, um, and being passionate about what you believe in is really healing. I think it's been fantastic for yeah. me. But I think that's really important. And I, I have seen that over and over. The story you're talking about was a woman, she was in her 40s, um, who had chronic fatigue syndrome, basically. I just saw a, a mirror image of someone like that today. I mean, just burnt out, not happy. You're trying everything. They're just not getting better because they're just working too hard and they don't have time for themselves, they're unhappy. Um, and with that particular woman, and I almost today, I, I, but I didn't do it today, mm-hmm. I just threw up my hands, I said, just go work for a non-profit in Africa, go do some, because I work for a non-profit in, in, in South Africa, and I know how meaningful it is when you're helping people who have no, yeah. changes your whole perspective on life, when you go work with people who have nothing and they're mm-hmm. happy. So I said to her, just Go work for a non-profit in Africa as a like Jesus Christ. Did you think she'd actually do no, that? No, I, I just like, what the hell do I do with you? Just <laughs> go. And then I didn't see her for a while and I got a, a, an email months later telling me she was feeling fine, she was feeling great, she was in Africa working for this non-profit as I suggested, I'd never thought. And uh, thank you. She basically had an email mm-hmm. thanking me. But I, I didn't really like, cool. think about it, just like it was yeah. frustration. Yeah. But yeah. I, I do think that it's less of an issue with your, your. I don't see as many millennials do that as I have. I wrote a book called Spent or Revive. It's now called Revive. Many years ago, because I've seen so many people like that. Your generation is a little bit different, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. You, There's you someone like you. You go. You 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 do what you want to do. You write a book. You do your podcast. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. I think that's you know. Do a bunch of things. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, it can be a lot, though, when you were saying... It you is a lot. It's a need. different type of stress, yeah. so you've got to balance that. But it's easier to balance that because you're loving what you're doing. You're doing what you want to do. There's mm-hmm. meaning. You're passionate. It's not You're not working for some corporation that may be paying you a lot of money, but you hate going to work and you hate everything about yeah. your job. So it's a different type of burnout. Yeah. Not that you shouldn't watch it, but it's it's easier to fix. Yeah, that's good to hear. When you were saying what you think that we need is more time in nature and yeah. rest, and I was like, damn, that sounds really nice. Yeah, it's, yours are easy tweaks. Yeah, yeah. You, you talk about, too, how, and I thought this was fascinating, how we're moving so fast now that people don't care why anymore about yeah. things. They just want you to tell them what to do. Exactly, yeah. And I, I related to that a lot, too. I, as, as soon as I find someone, and this might just be my personality, but as soon as I find someone I trust, I'm just like, I think tell me what you do. I don't really care about research. I think that's pretty common. And that's sort of why I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. And um, Because people have got so much going on. You know, as you said, it's a different type of burnout. You, your 
burnout or your fatigue is just because there's just so much information there's so much you'd like to do but you just don't have the time yes. to do it so it's different so it's it, it's easier so this is why I wrote the book is let's make it simple for people they're not interested in why so I think you are typical of most people I see they're not they just want to know what to do and not as interested as the wise. Yeah, and you just gave them the six keys. Yeah. Which is yeah. really cool. It's based on a mandala, and everyone should definitely check out your book. It's it's really cool. I wanted to talk about more, but there's so much I want to ask you that I'm I'm going to move through it and tell people to find the six out easily by getting your book or listening to you on any other podcast. But here I want to talk about how you, one of them, you talk about protection and how this is a crucial wellness routine. Can you talk about that and then some simple things that people can do listening to protect themselves right so one of the rings or one of the keys is protecting yourself from all the chemicals and the emf we bombarded with chemicals and toxins today you know which we weren't when i was growing up which is different now there are tons of toxins and chemicals in food in the water in the air we bring from household cleaning products um, from cosmetics we put on our skin from the electromagnetic radiation that we all exposed to all the time. Who knows what that does? We don't even know yet. Yeah. I'm sure it can't be good. But yeah. So the idea is just not to scare people, but to make them aware. Listen, folks, there are more chemicals today than there have ever been, and our bodies are not set up to deal with all those chemicals. And it's just another stress on your body. So let's try and decrease the number you put into you and support your body in how you actually deal with them at the same time. It can be as easy as not putting all those fragrances and those cosmetics full of crap on your body. Mm -hmm. You know, you can use coconut oil. There's so many organic, clean cosmetic products out there now. Let them sponsor this podcast. No, they do. Who? Juice Beauty. Okay. And we've worked with... Um, Who's Juice Beauty? Is that Gwyneth? Yeah, no? she's okay. the... She's the yeah, so 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 there there's so many um, there's so many clean cosmetic lines. You just got to find what works for you, and maybe don't use as much. Um, get a water filter. It's pretty simple. Um, have infrared saunas. Once again, go walk in the forest. Walk on the beach. Um, you know, spend more time in nature. Um, you know, let's talk about emotional toxins. Forgive, forgive. Don't hold on to grudges. You know, learn to forgive. <clears throat> Be kind to other people. Um, you know, protecting yourself is not necessarily just all the chemicals, but you get emotional toxins yeah. too. So it's just being aware that we are being bombarded by toxins, whether they're emotional um, or physical, and just supporting your body in dealing with them. So it's really an issue that shouldn't be an issue. We live in an age where, and it's worse today. You know, I just read um, a few days ago that there was um, a study about to be published by the EPA or done by scientists there that found that what we thought low levels of chemicals in water weren't a problem are actually a problem. Yes. And it was blocked by the current EPA, the Trump administration. They didn't want to put it out there. <sighs> so, you know, we have, you know, talk about not trusting the system. 
we have institutions and the system that are not telling us the truth and are hiding this information from us, so we have to be super aware. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I and, it's, and, and I'm going to lay it on all you guys. It's up to your generation to change these things. We shouldn't be allowing these type of things to happen. So yeah. we all need to get proactive and change the system. And, you know, as consumers, don't buy products with chemicals, buy clean products, support yeah. companies that are doing the right thing. Voting with your dollar. Yeah. Yeah. I, speaking of millennials, you mentioned you have a 30-year-old daughter who's a therapist, I think, in yeah. practice. What is it that, that she sees the most? And, and first of all, how is it she working She sees with exactly your... what you see. Her, she works with millennials dealing with their anxiety. Mm-hmm. And she's actually taught me a lot, but she's made me so aware how technology you know I talk about sugar being the big addiction for her it's technology being the big, yeah. big addiction and how she has you know she's working with anxiety millennials with anxiety and trying to exactly what you were talking about sort of get them through this period of not getting so down on themselves and so she's really a, a lot of the time working on their tech addictions and, and getting people to feel better about themselves and not putting all this pressure. I think our generation, um, when I look at it, you know, what we, that we call ourselves the helicopter parents, I mean, really mm-hmm. did a number on you kids. Yeah. Um, hopefully I didn't do such a bad <laughs> job. But I think it's crazy, you know, when, when, we, when I look at... And, and, um, and in spite of that, I think, uh, you know, I, once again, I'm, I love what's happening. But I think... So she works a lot with that, with anxiety in, in millennials, and yeah. she feels technology is probably more of an issue than the food, although she's also a health coach. She, went, she knows a lot about nutrition, but she feels technology is just as bad, if not worse, of an addictive problem. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'd like to talk to her for this too. It's, it's fascinating, I think. Um, I was going to ask you about that technology, like you said, wonderful, but but also damaging, especially especially social media. And yeah. for, for our generation, we yeah. grew up with it. Like you don't, I don't yeah. really know any different. Yeah. Of course, we didn't have cell phones. So how did you get so hip? What do you mean? Well, how come you so aware? You obviously I, more aware than. Well, I I think I mean I still struggle with it. I still struggle with Which anxiety. Is I still, yeah, yeah, but I. I started meditating. I, I interned with Gabby, and I my okay. eating disorder got me into therapy really young. So yeah. I didn't. I grew up in Michigan. I no one I knew went to therapy. No one I knew had any of these sorts of tools. Very Western medicine. I didn't know what acupuncture was. None of these things. But that having that experience opened me up to different med- modalities that I never would have known. And I got into them young, which is good. Good. That's um, great. But I still have fantastic. to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still. Well, have it's to a journey. It's so. never going. You know, we all we, we all have to keep working on ourselves. That's yeah. part of the journey. It's never. That's the beauty of life. Yeah. But it's great that you're starting now, and it's great that you're doing it now. I think it's going to make life easier for you. Well, thank and for you. your spouse, and for your kids, whenever if you, you know what I mean. It's. Just, I hope so. Yeah. 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 Well, I've been thinking about that a lot about how. And, and I'm sure you think about this too, like generationally, like we we keep elevating ourselves and we can like, my mom just didn't know these things exactly. that I know and didn't and she have wanted access the best to these for things. you, that's yeah. the thing. We can't blame our parents totally. 
because they want the best but we did fuck up as parents not you know intentionally we thought this was better because we didn't get this from our parents but this is what happens this is you know this is the nature of life this is how we learn and that's why learning about yourself and becoming aware is a really good thing to do yeah yeah well that's why I wrote the book which is about journaling so it's 55 journaling yeah, exercises that's great. journaling oh, okay prompts. lovely because it's okay. a good it was the greatest way for me to yeah. journaling can be a fantastic tool for people yeah. I even have a tip on that oh yeah. cool yeah yeah cool well yeah yeah the, I think a lot yeah, of people have trouble getting started with that so that's why the book okay, came great. to be okay. with this 55 oh. tools um, okay, good. Good for you. Can we wrap with some quick fire questions? This is how course, I yeah. Okay, so just kind of say the first things that, that come to your mind. Okay. Some of them are fun, some of them are okay. okay, what's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? A grass fed steak. Great. Favorite part of your life right now? Um, going for long rides um, at the beach. What are you most looking forward to? Spending more time um, taking it easy, reflecting, writing, sharing everything I've learnt. I feel it's my time now to try and and um, tweak things that are happening in the wellness world. I mean, I think it's wonderful. I just think if we can just guide it a little bit, it'll be better for all. Yeah, that's really cool. It's cool to have you at the someone who's so aware at the where you can mold it into a place. Yeah, I'd like to try. I mean, it's not. It's maybe a bit grandiose, but I think I'll do my best. Yeah, I can imagine yeah. that feels like a lot of pressure, yeah. but you're handling it well. Uh, what are your morning and evening routines? First couple of things you do when you wake up in the morning before you go to bed. First thing I do is meditate. I get out of bed, and I meditate. What for kind at of least meditation do you? Well, I. I I do a, a sort of a mixture. It's made. It's sort of a, a Vedic meditation. I always have a mantra and a Vedic meditation that I resort to. I don't just do that. Um, what I've been doing a lot lately. I used to do mindfulness meditation. What I do a lot of now is when I sit quietly. If you sit quietly, you start hearing a buzz in your head, and I sort of get tuned into that buzz because I'm very sound and oral oriented. So I sit and I start focusing on getting that buzz between my ears in my head and then I let that buzz move through me and as my mind starts wandering then I go back to my mantra and I go back to my mantra. So I'm sort of working a bit of mindfulness, being present, getting caught up in this this hum or noise, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and then I always have my mantra to go to. Oh, that's great. And what about what other things in the morning? What are your evening? Well, that's what I do first thing, and then I usually, when I'm out, um, when I'm out at a beach house, and I go for a ride, a long ride. I mean, I love riding early in the morning when no one's around. I mean, I get up at five o'clock in the morning. So um, if I'm away when I'm not working, I go meditate, ride, and then that's and then I have a sauna, and that's. I'm happy. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I, I you know get up, meditate, and come to work. Yeah. At night, um, you know, usually there's music. Um, you know, coming home depends during the week. Unfortunately, 
I'm embarrassed to say I'm addicted to watching MSNBC and the stupid Trump yeah. entertainment crap. I'm up, I just can't stop watching this stuff. It's terrible. Yeah. I've got to stop watching it. But I'm embarrassed to say I watch a lot of it. But I always will watch... Re- we, we have, you know, watch, I'll watch Stephen Colbert from the night before. So mm-hmm. I have... I love Stephen Colbert and Trevor Noah. Um, also South African. And yeah. He's fantastic. But Stephen Colbert is just brilliant. Yeah. I, mean, I love Trevor Noah, but Stephen Colbert is unbelievable. And Bill Maher. So uh, I try to keep humor there. Yeah. And so the humor has always been important for me. So there'll be some listening to music, watching some of these shows, and then watching that stupid <laughs> crap thing that's going on in this country. Okay, greatest lesson on relationships. Well, I've learned over the years, I listened my my wife, the women, the wisdom of women. Um, you learn, you, you only fight the, the battles that you think are worth fighting. You you basically choose your battles wisely. Mm-hmm. And um, um, probably the lesson that took me a long time to get with, with my wife anyway, because I get it with my patients, to really listen to her, um, and how important that's been over the year. How do you do that? To to learn to listen to her. Yeah. How do you rem- remind yourself? I guess. Well, it's just come over the years because it took me so long. Because it took me so long before I really got it. it took, I mean, look, I've been married for forty years. No, yeah, forty years. But uh, it's not that that came easily. In my you it took at least probably. 25 to 30 years um, mm-hmm. I don't know You, it's um, when you live with someone who actually is who really loves you and, and believes in you and um, knows you probably better than yourself you learn to 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 get her she, how, see how wise she is yeah. she has a wisdom that I don't have um in her soft-spoken way, so um, I don't know. I'm, I'm ranting now. I'm no, it's okay. Know. Great. Is this an parenting? Do you just have the one daughter? We just have the one daughter. Um, one child. Yeah. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, great thing on parenting. Well, I was very. La- I was very. Let's say fair. We're very loose. Um, no rules. I'm not a. I'm not a rules person. Probably having a few more rules would have been better. Um, I'm not sure. You know, parenting's interesting. You know, now when I see my, I just see how my daughter evolved herself. I think you just need to give them love and let them be who they want to be. You can't force anything. Yeah. Um, Greatest lesson on spirituality, God. What do you think happens when we die? All of that. Well, I think we live on. I mean, I got my spirituality from Buddhism. I'm born Jewish, but. I don't really connect with the spirituality of Judaism. I got my found spirituality through Buddhism, actually. Um, and uh, is there a God or is it is nature God? I just think there's a higher being, there's a higher power. I don't believe in a God per se. I believe in a higher power. I believe you've got to be good, and you you know things come back to you. I do believe in karma. I believe I am have been very influenced by. Buddhist thinking. Do you do you have a thought on what happens when we die? 
No, I'm, 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 I'm pretty convinced that you don't, you, you, you let go of your body, but just from listening to so many people that are, things that have happened to people and uh, people that I know aren't bullshitters, there's something out there that happens. I'm not sure what it is. I don't really think about it. I just think we lose our bodies and what happens to our consciousness, I'm not sure, but I don't think that dies. Yeah. I'm not sure I necessarily believe in reincarnation as a Tibetan Buddhist. Mean, I love Tibetan Buddhism, but I mean, I still have a hard time with that. But I do think we, our consciousness does live on somehow. Yeah. yeah. So as a, as a doctor with this practice, you are also an entrepreneur. So what's your greatest lesson on entrepreneurship? I'm useless. <laughs> you don't want to get lessons from me. Um, I'm a terrible, terrible, terrible businessman. So the lesson is to have business people running a business. Mm -hmm. You can be a visionary, and you can, you know, you know. Now I've never had a. I just had to run a practice, and I was always terrible. Everything I invested in, I lost my money. But now wellness is so big; it's become a business. So you need people to do the business part because yeah. I'm not that's, I'm not interested in it to be quite honest yeah, that's a good it doesn't lesson. do it for me um, and I, I, you need to find people you trust who can do it because you, you know, I'm terrible yeah. terrible businessman you you also live in New York and you have for a long time What's your what are your thoughts on the city maybe a, a moment that you love favorite New York moment favorite part least favorite part I love New York, but I think you need to be able to get out of New York. Unfortunately, what's happened in New York, you just it's just so expensive and you need too much money. It's, it's, it's become unfortunate. It's, it's sad to see it happening. When I first came here, there were so many, you know, when I came here in 84, you know, the Lower East Side was like, there were these little areas which were very cool and... Um, not gentrified and um, artists and poor people could live there. It's, it's changing. I'm less attached to the modern day New York, although I love coming in than I was before. Um, you know, we, we, we were going to move back into the city because we have a place in Westchester, and when my daughter left, we were going to come into the city. And then we thought about it and we realized we. We don't, the city doesn't do it for us like it used to. I'd rather have a place out at the beach. So we got a place at the beach rather, and I love it. It's just, I get rejuvenated there. So I love coming into the city the four days that I work. Um, maybe three days would be even better, but I love getting away from the city. I, I think you need to have balance. You need to, there's a yin and the yang, and, and, and New York City is too yang. It's to that masculine energy, which is fine, but <clears throat> there needs to be some balance. So as long as you can balance it, then it's great. But if you can't, then you burn out. Yeah, yeah, I relate to that a lot too. Okay, I want to ask you the final question, but first, anything that you want to recommend? It can be music, movie, TV show, podcast, food people, any, any things that you really like and you want people to know about? Well, what I like, I mean, um, there's a great series called The Chef's Table, I don't know if Yeah, it, oh, it's so good. Um, I love that. 
what else can I recommend? I mean, I don't know. Do I recommend? Um, you probably I'm, think of like ten things later tonight. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm a music freak, so I love love world music. I'll give you some world music. I'll give you some. I make the best of the year CDs. There used oh, to be cool. CDs for my patients. Now we put it online, but um, cool. I'm always looking for good and so any good new music. I'm always looking for great music. Cool. I'll send you a playlist. Okay, good. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, the name of this podcast is Let It Out. So is there anything that you wish that I would have asked that you never get to talk about that did I ring you dry for all of your wisdom? No, I'm sure there's a lot more. We can do another one. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, just, I just think it's wonderful. I love seeing what's happening with this wellness world, with the millennials. I just think uh, people... You know, just be smart about it because there's so much out there it's conflicting yeah. you know don't get caught up there's no one way mm-hmm. you've got to find your own way and as I always say it's not about finding the perfect diet the perfect exercise form it's about the everyday actions or the actions we do on a daily basis they have more healing power or extraordinary healing power so your everyday Actions, those ordinary actions that you do every day have extraordinary benefits on your health. So don't take your your friends for granted. Don't take being kind to others for granted. You know, don't take for granted going for a walk in nature or listening to music or forgiving. All these little aspects can really benefit your health. And most of them are things that you can do every day. Um, and if you can make them habits, then that's half the battle won. Yeah. You don't have to go to the gym every day. Not that you should, I'm not telling people not to. Just find those things that turn you on, that do good to others and do good to yourself. And life becomes easier like that. But, you know, there are little things you can do. And once you start incorporating those, then um, you'll start wanting to do more and more. Yeah, well said. I love that. So we always end with this sort of weird thing, but I think you'll you'll be down for it. So someone in a yoga class said, you know, breathe in and then let it out. And I was like, oh, that's the name of my podcast. So we'll end with a breath together. So I'll count to three, and then we just take a deep breath, okay? Okay, one, two, three. Feels good, right? Yeah, we did it. Thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. Thank Ms. you. Katie Del Yes. Let it out, That was my episode with Dr. Littman. I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you so much for listening. If you're new to this podcast, I really appreciate you being here. If you liked it, I hope you check out the archives. And if you still like it, maybe leave a review on iTunes. It helps out the show a ton. If you've been listening for a while, thank you genuinely so much from the bottom of my heart. That sounds so cheesy, but it's really true. I know I'm not perfect. I know I say like and um and I meander these conversations, but I've grown up a lot in the past six years since I started this podcast and I've changed a lot. And I hope to bring some of that to the podcast continually. Hopefully I've grown up a bit. If you've been listening, you can tell that. Hopefully you like these changes. I 
want to change even more. I want to improve the quality of this podcast, the sound quality, the editing, the way that I speak, all of it. I want to up-level, and I hope you'll stick around for that. And if this podcast brings you joy at all, leaving a review on iTunes is so helpful, and I would love your feedback. I just read through a lot of them, and I learned a lot. I learned what you guys like, I learned what you don't like, and I'm really going to take that to heart. So if you get joy from this podcast at all, if it makes you feel less alone, if you like it at all, it'd be cool if you left a review. You can also share it really easily. My best friend Sasha has been sending me podcasts. You can text them really easily on the app now. I don't know if that's a new feature or not, but it's really easy. And I've been sharing specific podcast episodes, just texting them with people. It's right in your app if you're listening on iTunes. Anyway, I just thought I'd read you guys a a review of the week. I used to do that a million years ago, and I think I'm going to maybe get back to it. Caitlin Lynn says this, and it made my day, Caitlin Lynn, so thank you so much for writing this. She said, one of my favorite podcasts, Katie brings on amazing guests and has very relevant conversations. The overall feel is natural, authentic, easy to digest, inspiring, and enlightening. Each episode is something new and never feels repetitive. Always good little nuggets of knowledge and wisdom to take away. Sometimes I even take notes. It's too good not to. Discovered her on the Highest Self podcast with Sahara Rose. Love Sahara Rose, side note. So glad I did. Katie is so relatable and makes you feel like you are right there with her having an honest conversation. Like a friend almost. Secret, Caitlin, we totally are friends. Let's be friends. I want to meet you. This podcast truly fills me up. I hope she never stops putting out new episodes. I'm a let it out listener for the long haul. Thank you so much, Katie. Now come to Colorado again and visit. Caitlin, thank you so much for that lovely review. I actually definitely am coming to Colorado in September for something big. And I would love to meet you then. Anyway, all right, you guys, that's all I've got all i've got this week next week new episode i'll talk to you then the emoji for this week is the cloud so comment that on dr Littman's instagram on my instagram let me know that you are still listening all the way to the bitter rambling end of me talking again i'm at katie dalebow on instagram twitter wherever you are on the social media And just, you know, with social media, do less of it. That's all I've got this week, all right? Do less of it. Be present in your life more. I hope you're having a great summer. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. tell you about one of my favorite brands, Care-of Vitamins. You might already know and love them like I do, but if not, Care-of is a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective quality ingredients personally tailored to your exact needs. Vitamins can fill the important gaps your body might be missing from its food or give you an extra boost where you need it. To figure out what supplements can help you feel your best, simply go to Care-of's website and you take this super short, fun quiz. It asks you questions about your lifestyle, everything from how much you sleep to how much you poop, and from there, it recommends to you in minutes exactly what vitamins can help you feel your best. All the recommendations are based on clinical research and traditional medicine with input from doctors and nutritionists. 
I love the packaging and design of everything Care-of makes. Your supplements will come to you in these beautiful, individually wrapped, personalized packets. I love them when I'm traveling and really just every day since I'm always on the go. And I think you will love them too. For 25% off your first month of personalized Care-of vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com and enter the code Katie. Again, that's for 25% off your first month of personalized Care-of vitamins. Visit TakeCareOf.com and enter the code Katie. That's K-A-T-I-E, just in case you didn't know how to spell my name. Let's briefly talk about periods. Most of us get them. Sometimes we're excited when they come. Sometimes we're very excited when they're over for the month. And many of us complain about periods and the cramps, the irritation, the bloating. It feels like we're destined to have these symptoms, but it turns out it might not just be your body to blame for these issues. A lot of times the products that we use to manage our periods actually make these symptoms worse. That's why I'm excited to tell you guys about Flex. It's the first true period innovation product in over 80 years. That's right, I got on the phone with them and the Flex people told me that they have not innovated in the category since the 1930s. Flex was designed to change your period. It's not a tampon, it's not a cup, it's actually a flexible disc that fits perfectly inside your body. It holds five tampons worth of fluid, so you're not constantly changing it out, even on your heaviest days. And unlike a menstrual cup, flex discs are disposable and easy to change even when you're out on the go, so you can go from your office to a workout class to hanging out with your friends and everywhere in between you only use about two discs a day which makes it better for the environment everything is bpa free no latex no silicone fda registered hypoallergenic it's a pretty cool product guys i, I think you should check it out have the most comfortable period of your life if you want to, go to IHateTampons.com and use the code LETITOUT to get an additional 30% off your first purchase. Again, that's the code LETITOUT and go to the link in the show notes for 30% off your purchase. Thank you so much, Flex, for supporting this podcast. The music you're hearing behind me now and all other original music in this episode is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. The album art is by artist Zoe Harmon, and this podcast is produced and edited by Amanda Scharf and hosted by me, Katie Delbout. Check out our website for show notes to everything mentioned. <laughs>